Have you ever sat down to read God's Word and you just didn't know where to go? Sometimes studying God's Word can be intimidating, but once you find out that it really is a story, His story, this entire new world opens up to you. Welcome to my podcast, Broken Vessels Mended by God. My name is Ruth Douthit, and in this series of episodes, we are going to be going through God's Word in five different episodes from Genesis all the way to Revelation. So grab your Bibles, a comfortable chair, and let's get ready to dive deep into God's Word together. Welcome to Broken Vessels Mended by God. Hi everyone, welcome to my podcast. I started this podcast last year because I wanted to share my insights in certain Bible studies that I've attended or that I've written myself. I love to teach God's Word. So if you want to learn more about me and my books, I'm also a published author, and you can visit my other podcast called A Writer's Day Podcast to learn more about writing, interesting interviews with published authors, and I read chapters from my current books, A Writer's Day Podcast at iTunes, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. And also you can visit my website at artbyruth.com where you can learn more about me, my books, and my art because I'm a professional artist as well. And if you subscribe to my newsletter, you'll receive a free book from me. So welcome and let's get steady with this new series called The Story of Scripture. In this study of the Bible, I'll be going alongside the book by Kristen Schmucker, Amen, The Story of Scripture from Eden to Eternity, and you can purchase her book over at the Daily Grace Company. I did and I found that it is a wonderful guide. It's a five-week study of Scripture from, like I said, Genesis all the way to Revelation. She provides some wonderful uh, reflective questions and graphics too. She has some infographics like timelines of the Bible that really help you see it completely laid out. Now, if you are new to studying God's Word and it intimidates you because some of those obscure books are, you know, hard to get through, this is a great study for you and her book is wonderful. You'll love it because it's an overview of the entire Bible. And it will show you as you study how God really is an author because it's written as a story, the story of redemption. And it stars a hero, a protagonist, Jesus Christ. And we have a villain, you know, the devil. And we have obstacles that are put in his way and all these sub-heroes too. But you'll find that the Bible is not fiction. It is nonfiction. It is real, inspired by God himself. Written over 1,500 years by 40 different authors. It's amazing. As you read it, you'll see the story of God himself. And if you have been studying scripture for years, you'll love this book because it gives you that overview so you can help teach others. But it's also a great uh, one-stop shopping for how to understand God's Word. It's like an overview glance of the beautiful story of God. It'll draw you in even deeper. You'll learn things you didn't know before, or perhaps be reminded of things you've known for years. So welcome to this study. So what is Scripture? What is the Bible? Did you ever stop to think about it? The late Dr. R.C. Sproul, one of the most prominent theologians of our time, described the Bible that it is indeed the book of books and that it is a book compiled of various kinds of books. It's made up of 66 books 
written by 40 authors in three different languages on three different continents over 15 centuries. Can you believe that? All of this with one united story. Now, can you say that about any other book? That's pretty amazing, isn't it? It's a book that has been scrutinized by men and women all over the world for centuries, even atheists. It is God's holy scriptures. The Bible is scripture. It's holy in that it was given to man by a holy God, which makes his words holy. And this book can make us holy too. Now, scripture is inspired, meaning that it was given to us or breathed onto its very human authors over time. But it has been proven as accurate for centuries. Scripture is truth, and you'll read this in 1 Thessalonians 2.13. Therefore, it's profitable for us, we believers, to study it and use it, you know, apply it to our lives to grow in holiness. You'll read in 2 Peter 1, For no prophecy in this book was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. In 1 Thessalonians 2, it says, It wasn't written as the word of men, but as what it really is, the very word of God. And then in 2 Timothy chapter 3, it says that all scripture, New and Old Testament, is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for correction and training. Another thing that scripture is, is inerrant, and that it is completely true and has been tested over and over again for reliability and validity. This doesn't mean that the writings are without error. It means everything recorded is true and is God's word. Scripture is also sufficient in that God's word contains everything that we need to please him. Did you hear me correctly? It's written and it contains everything that we need to please him. The Bible's main purpose is to make us holy so that we can be in the presence of this very holy God. Isn't that amazing? It wasn't written to tell us everything about everything. No, the Bible was written to reveal to us how to live in the presence of a very holy God. Therefore, the Bible is sufficient for the believer to grow in him. And that's why we need to be in it every day. Scripture is eternal because God is eternal. The Bible has and will continue to stand the test of time. God promised us this, and he keeps his promises. In Psalm 12, it says the words of the Lord are pure. In Psalm 119, 89, it says forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. In Matthew 5, Jesus said that not one iota, not one dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Another thing that scripture is, it's our norm or our standard by which we measure every other book. There are millions of books written about God for the Christian to live a God-pleasing life. But we hold all these books up against the Bible as our standard. The Bible is the book of norms for other books, but the Bible itself has no norm. We use measuring rods or rulers and even rubrics in education to measure or grade things. 
But the Bible has no standard of measure because it is the standard of measure that we use for life against all other writings of men. Now that you've looked at what the Bible is, let's look at what it is not. It's not mythology or fairy tales or stories or tales. There are many types of writing that came before and after Holy Scriptures, but only the Bible claims to be the definitive Word of God given to many authors over centuries. So think about it. What has been your understanding of the Bible? And how would you describe it to someone? After reading 2 Timothy 3, 16-17, why is God's Word profitable? And how does God's Word equip the believer for every good work? Well, it's profitable because it is eternal and perfect and pure and will be fulfilled 100%. So God's Word equips us because it shows us how to live our lives to please Him. Now, if you look at the timeline of God's Word, it's really a story, the story of redemption. Because God is the great author of our story, He used many writing devices that we use today. For instance, He has characters, protagonists and antagonists, as well as villains. He has themes throughout the scriptures. He has conflict, quite a bit of it. He used foreshadowing, personification, metaphors, parables, and even a need, and that is redemption. Since we were created in the image of God, we feel the need to have all of these pieces in our stories too. The Bible is indeed a story, but remember, it's a true story. It is a true story of redemption. And once you understand this, the entire story of God comes alive. Once you see that all the books of the Bible, even the obscure ones, point us to Jesus, the words on the pages come alive in you. So let's look at how the scriptures are made up. They are made up of various types of writing. We have the historical books, we have some biography, autobiography, poetry, narrative, letters, wisdom books, the law, and all of these types of writing point to the main character of God's story, Jesus. We have the Old Testament or promises, and we have the New Testament, and each section with its main character, Jesus. Wait, how can Jesus be the main character of both sections? Well, we're going to look at that. Remember, scripture is one story, not two. One story. If you read in Isaiah 55, verses 6 through 13, it says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So what character traits of God do you read in these verses? We can see that God is not like a man. 
What do we learn about God's word in these verses? Yeah, that it endures. Now think back over your knowledge of the Bible. What parts of the Bible are you most familiar with? And what parts of the Bible are you less familiar with? And be honest, what parts confuse you? I remember listening to R.C. Sproul talk about when he taught Bible at the college level, and he would ask his students, raise your hand if you've read Genesis. Every hand went up. Then he said, Exodus. All hands stayed up. Then he said, Leviticus. And a lot of hands went down. Numbers. No hands were remaining up. And that's typical. Most people hop skip over certain books that confuse them, and they go right to the meat of the story. But as we study the story of Scripture, you will see that if you slow down and read through some of these books, you will still see Jesus. And as we study the story of Scripture, it would help us to stop and look at the Gospel message in the New Testament. So let's do that. The Gospel. The Gospel message, or Good News, doesn't begin in the New Testament. That's a common misconception. No, it begins in the Garden of Eden. That's right, it begins in the beginning. And it's further explained and developed all the way to the New Testament, where the message is finally personified in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. So the story does indeed begin in Genesis. The fall of Adam and Eve started the story and introduced the need of redemption. After that, God created his people, beginning a sort of love story between them and him. Their constant rebellion is what revealed the need of a priest, king, sacrifice, law, and salvation. God, in his infinite patience, provided for his people all that they requested in many kings and priests and sacrifices, the law and deliverance from their enemies, and his wrath over and over again. But the gospel of Jesus is that in him is the final perfect priest king sacrifice fulfillment of the law and salvation that any of us would ever need. That is good news indeed. When we read Romans 3 and Romans 6, we are told that we are all sinners in need of saving and that what we earn by all this sinning is death. So we do have a villain in the story, and that's the devil, but we have one main overarching villain in this story, and it is death. And that's who Jesus needed to conquer in the end. Has there been a time when you read through the gospel message, acknowledged your rebellion against God, and realized you need salvation in Jesus? I hope so. That's my wish for you. I, dis I realized this when I was just at the tender age of seven, but I didn't fully grasp this understanding until I was 16, and so I rededicated my life to Christ and was baptized. After that, I began to truly understand what it meant to be a Christian and read God's Word. How do you think 
An understanding of the message of the gospel helps us understand the entire story of the Bible. If you have children, sit them down and ask them that same question. Ask them to explain to you the gospel message. Don't take it for granted that they know. Just because they've heard it in church, or heard it from you, or sang it in a song. Have them take the time to explain it to you, just as I've explained it to you here. How does this understanding of our need of a Savior and the gospel message affect how we live in response to God's perfect gift of grace? Yeah, it should humble us and want to live a life that pleases Him. So let's go all the way back to the Old Testament to the beginning. This section of the Bible is rich in the history of God's people, His promises, and His response to the needs of His people. Does this sound like your life story? It does mine. I can look back on my life and see how God has kept His promises and provided for me throughout. In this section of the Bible, we have history, the giving of the law, the formation of his people, books of poetry and songs, major prophets and minor prophets, and the stories of the many kings God gave his people, both the good kings and the bad kings. Which section of the Old Testament are you most excited to learn about in this study? Again, I highly recommend you pick up Christian Schmucker's book, Amen, the Story of Scripture from Eden to Eternity. You'll see the beautiful timelines that she offers, and you'll see how it's spread out, how the scriptures are spread out over time, and where your life story is included in that timeline. When we read Genesis 12, Judges 2, Psalm 16, Isaiah 1, and Joel 2, you'll see that there's very many similarities and differences found in these stories. Why do you think it is important to know the structure and the types of writing that are present in the Bible. Well, remember, a lot of us are called to teach, and you can't teach what you don't know. So the more you know the story and the structure and why it's laid out that way, it starts to make sense to you. So let's look at the New Testament now. This section of the Bible focuses more on the coming of Jesus, the Gospels, his calling into ministry, the Holy Spirit, the formation of the church, which is in the letters of the apostles, and end times prophecy, which is in the book of Revelation, in that this book provides details of the consummation of God's plan for his creation, redemption, and restoration. If you read John 1, 1 through 18, you won't see a genealogy of Jesus. Instead, we're told that in the beginning was the Word, and that Jesus is the Word, and that God created using the word. What part of the New Testament are you most excited to learn about? Maybe a relearning of the Gospels or the Acts of the Apostles or the Book of Revelation? Well, I'm excited that you decided to take this journey into Scripture with me because you'll see that it is indeed a story, God's story of redemption of His people and then us. So think of a prayer you want to pray to God in thanking him for giving us his word and tell him how you wish to learn more about his story as we read in Isaiah 55 for as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and do not return there 
but water the earth and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out forth from my mouth, and it shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Isn't that beautiful? God's word is indeed beautiful, and it will replenish you, restore you, nourish you, and will accomplish what God wants it to accomplish through you. Until next time, be in God's word and get ready to learn more of the story of scripture and your role in that story. Until next time, God bless.